Hello and welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version. I am really excited to have here today a young woman who I have known her entire life because her mother is a friend of mine. And I have watched this young woman bloom into a true influencer and owner of who she is and wanting to give back to the world in a way that elevates all of us. I'm really, really proud of where she is right now and who she is influencing. So let me introduce to you, Chloe Cullen. That was, thank you so much for that. That was the sweetest introduction I could have ever asked for. Thank you. Well, it's really gratifying to see young people that you've known and you have no idea how any of them are going to come out and to watch them really do amazing things. Your generation really inspires me for their go get, get it attitude and their authenticity. I think that we'll get into this, but my generation was very weighted down by expectations and societal norms that really governed our behavior. So uh, Chloe has written a book about perfectionism, something that really plagued me and caused me a lot of mental angst. So I'm excited to hear about it. And I know it's a very complex topic and I know our readers will get a lot out of your book, but I would love to hear, how do you define perfectionism now that you have done a lot of research on the subject? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think when I was, cause I also have been a perfectionist, I would say I still am. I'm not on the other side of it um, necessarily, but I think if you would ask me a year ago, I would say like a perfectionist is just someone who wants everything a certain way. Um, but now I think I see perfectionism as it's someone who works exceptionally hard, almost too hard to one, be the best in whatever they're doing, but two, to do it within the limited confines of the societal norms like you were talking about. So um, it's very conflicting because you want to do the best, but you can't really step out of the box because you're scared if you do something that's a little too out of your regular norm, you'll be ostracized or like it will backfire on you and you'll lose everybody. So I think I never realized how much perfectionism does hook onto staying within the herd. Um, so I think that's been a really big realization for me as well. I agree with that definition. And I'm curious, what prompted you to write a book about this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think, so again, I've been a perfectionist for a long time. I think throughout high school, it was just sort of how everyone was at their baseline. Um, at like my competitive Catholic all-girls school in the DC area, that was just sort of how everyone's norm was, was like work, 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 get straight A's, someone else is doing better than you, You're, they're gonna get into a better college, like you just gotta keep hustling. Um, and then when I was in college, I found I was pushing myself the same way, um, like trying to work like 12, 15 hour days. And I just thought like, oh, my perfectionism is what makes me successful. It what, it's what gives me the power to do all of these things. Um, and within college, I have a lot of accomplishments that I'm very proud of that I got 
the programs I was accepted into or distinctions I had that I'm very proud of. Um, and I believed that perfectionism was the key to getting those things. Um, Do you still believe that? No, I think it's hard. I think here's something that I was talking to a counselor about just like as a quick tangent is she said like perfectionism will hold on to the best, not best traits, but any good trait that you have, say you're very creative, you can still be creative and not a perfectionist, but if you are a perfectionist, it will latch onto your creativity. It will latch onto your ambition. It will latch onto your, um, your ability to be a good friend. Like it can easily sort of like parasite onto your good traits. So I do think I have good traits underlying that, but I do think perfectionism actually probably made it harder to get to those things because it was such self-criticism. I probably couldn't even enjoy it or um, like I maybe could have been like more optimistic about my options or what came next if I wasn't such a perfectionist. Um, but yeah, so I think in this past summer, um, I was, I was ironically like furloughed from my full-time job as was the pandemic, as was, I was in an entry-level position. It was the way things go. Um, and I was seeing on LinkedIn, just so many people who were writing books and I was, who were my age or younger. And like, as a perfectionist, I was very competitive about like, well, what do they have that I don't and why can't I write a book and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I sort of signed up to write this book and then was like, I shoot, I don't even have an idea about what to write a book about. I just sort of wanted to get a book out there. Um, and ironically, it was on that night I decided to write a book that I was just beating myself up over and over again in my head um, until my, my boyfriend of three years was like, you got to cut yourself some slack. This was a very big accomplishment for you today. You're going to write a book and you can't even recognize it and you're already thinking about like what's something else you're going to fix like what like thinking about a workout routine thinking about a skincare routine like all these things that are tangential to the book but I couldn't even focus on the good stuff so the next day like maybe a little bit out of spite frankly like a little bit like well like maybe perfectionism is good I was like perfectionism and mental health and the google results were just damning um there's a lot of psychological research that is showing that not only is perfectionism a vulnerability to mental illnesses like depression and anxiety, um, eating disorder, suicidal ideation, but it also is increasing with, um, with time. So like in this day and age, we have more perfectionists than ever. So yeah, I, after that, I was sort of like this, this is a tip of an iceberg moment. So it's been very helpful to sort of reframe this thing that I've been holding on to. Wow, that's so interesting. I remember one of my canned responses in job interviews was, oh, yes, I'm a perfectionist. So that <laughs> yeah, I did the same. And I got a job with that answer. Yeah. Right, right. So it, I feel like, um, well, let me ask you, do you think perfectionism generally has a negative or positive connotation in our present society? Mm. I think it seems like it is changing as we speak. Um, I think that perhaps it is the pandemic that has sort of allowed people to sort of um, sit. I know that for me personally, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was thinking like, what, what should I be doing right now? Like, obviously all my plans were canceled for months on end, as was everyone's. Um, 
And my first instinct was like, okay, well, I should be writing. I should be doing something. I should be making something. Whereas the, the truer answer, the bigger picture answer was we are going through a collectively traumatic time of death and confusion and unpredictability. Um, and as a perfectionist, you want to hold on to something that you can control, that you can predict. And um, I was just beating myself up because I wasn't writing every day, but it was like, we have no idea what's going on. So I think that there's been a lot of people who maybe have felt that as well, that constant like per productivity cycle um, and trying to figure that out. So I think there's more people talking about it in a negative lens, but for the most part, when you think of a perfectionist, you think you associate type A, you think of a straight A student, you think of the person that, um, that like Barbara Streisand is a perfectionist. Serena Williams, I think, maybe I'm mixing this up in my head, but like she considers herself a perfectionist. Martha Stewart, Gordon Ramsay, there's all of these people who are very successful who say that perfectionism is what got them to the top. It's the hard work effort. So I think present, like previously, and I think there probably still is that um, it's easy to think perfectionism is a good thing that's gotten people to their successes, especially if you are a perfectionist. It's also easy to be very defensive about um, you don't want someone to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. So if what you consider to be right is your perfectionism and that's what helps you get to where you are, then you're going to be like, absolutely, this is a good thing. Like, I, why would I get rid of this? How do I fix it? I'm just not going to deal with it right now. Very astute observations. Can you pinpoint a moment in your life that helped you form an opinion on perfectionism? Yes, I actually, I've been thinking about this a lot. So again, when I was in college, I studied broadcast journalism um, and was in this capstone class, which was a student newsroom. So only a few people were selected because you have to have a small newsroom, but broadcast you put out would go out on like the public, um, like the PBS affiliate. So it was slightly high stakes, even though it was weekly. Um, and I remember I had to go in state college um, again, like very, very small town. I went to Penn State. So it was just like very small college town. There's not a lot going on all the time. And I was doing feature on a local teen high school ski team. Um, and I had to go on a Saturday morning. The rest of my friends were sort of making plans to hang out. And I just remember going to my, like going to my ex-boyfriend's apartment because I had grabbed ski goggles. He had ski goggles and a helmet. And I was just sitting on his couch being like, so anxious, so nervous. And I was like, I, I really do not want to do this at all. Like I, this, like, I'm nervous to make small talk with my fellow reporters. I'm nervous to interview people. I'm nervous. Like I could not get out of my, my head about it. Um, and he was just sort of like, are, are you okay? Like, is everything all right? And I was like, Ian, like, I, I need to do this to myself to get me to do it. Like I have to be pessimistic in order to get out the door. And it's just, it's wild because like, as he's telling me what he's seeing and he's like, this seems like it's really hurting you. I was like, no, this is what I need to do. Um, <laughs> no, it just like, I I've been thinking about that a lot. Cause I'm just sort of blown away. And that's the thing, right? Like it's very easy to be defensive when someone's like, this doesn't seem like it's working. You're like, no, 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 this is how it goes. Like, but again, life would have been easier if I was like, okay, I'm a little anxious. Like, this is like a weird situation. I have to go interview a bunch of teenagers who are skiers. I know nothing about skiing and it's going to be fine. And ultimately that feature 
came across well, like our, my co-reporters, like we got great footage. It got nominated for a Hearst journal, journalism. Wow. So it also, again, it's one of those things that, yes, it got to a place of distinction, but getting from A to Z could have been a lot easier if I had been nicer to myself. And also like, if I had been nicer to myself, I could have been more adventurous. I could have done whatever. Um, that's a perfectionist thing saying like, I could have done better, but um, it just would be interesting to compare and contrast like a pessimistic versus an optimistic view in the same situation. What would the results have been? Um, yeah, I like to say we all need to stop shooting all over ourselves. Yes, exactly, exactly. Hopefully that has happened for you. <laughs> does, um, does perfectionism or striving to be perfect help you to become your best self and is do you view perfect as equivalent to best mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I think this is a good question I think when we look at um societal factors right now I think there is a lot of money to be made for a company telling you that you still have room to improve, um, whether that is someone buying your skincare, whether that's um, that someone buying information, whether that's someone like doing an additional training course. Um, it's a good, it's the best quote unquote marketing pitch to have someone say like, you know what, like, the better you is around the corner. Um, right. And so for me, I think this might be a little tangential, but I'm trying to, hmm, I'm trying to figure out what my medium is to still have ambition, to still want to go places and be optimistic about what comes next and be excited about whatever might come next for my career, my friendships, et cetera, um, without tunnel visualing that whatever is next is going to be the main thing. So I think all that to say is that I'm trying to figure out like today, like today I am visiting my parents. I'm at my parents' home. Like I'm wearing athleisure, you know, I'm like a job. I'm going to go to this job. This is like for the most part, a pretty ordinary day, but like how do I still find my worth without thinking like, oh, I, I should have exercised. I should have wrote, I should have done X, Y, Z, which I've spent years doing thinking that I have to put my time into activities every day to move forward, to consider that day worthwhile. Um, for me, it's like, okay, like what if I was like worthy and my best self at this moment without having to do anything? Um, and I think if you can, which is obviously very difficult. I think, again, like we're told all the time, like what our worth can be in Instagram likes and UVAs and like what have you. Oh my gosh, dogs. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Your dogs are adorable. I've seen. I know they are wacky. Um, but if you can, if you're working from a place of improvement, considering that you already have worth and that maybe it's something you're interested in improving, like if you wanted to pursue knitting and you were just like, I'm not looking to be the masterclass knitter, but like, I think that maybe this would suit my mind or like, like calm me down in situations where I'm feeling stressed. 
um, versus someone who feels like their worth is contingent on making themselves the best, then that person is going to constantly be in a cycle of nothing will ever be enough. And that's where the perfectionism turns into something like anxiety or depression. That's right. a answer and I think it gets away from the original question a little bit um no no it seems like your view has switched over into a blend of optimism realism and uh self-improvement as opposed to a more rigid uh classification that uh puts too much pressure on right right and it's just easier on myself if I'm like you know what like I didn't I've been out of a routine of exercising or I didn't get my revisions done for my editor today. Like I said, I would, and that's fine. And I think it's much easier to do that instead of beating myself up for something that's already happened. That's, that's been a very helpful mind shift um, as of late. I'm very glad you're putting that bat down. <laughs> how would you advise a raging perfectionist to break away from that mindset? Mm -hmm. I would say um, it is, I would say, and perfectionists wouldn't like this, so I wouldn't approach this first, but it is something for therapy. Like I think um, something that my friend and I were talking about, because I'm, I'm in therapy, she has started going to therapy, um, and I was talking to a counselor about this as well, so you sort of hear this idea that um, like the perfectionist for me, I think my perfectionist perspective, I thought was the only perspective on the world, on my tasks, on being a good friend, on being a good daughter, on being a good student, employee, what have you. Um, I thought it was the only voice in my head. And I think it's very interesting to think about the fact that there are still a span of voices in your head, right? And there is a voice that wants to be compassionate. There's a voice that wants to be nervous. There's a voice for any emotion you have, but the perfectionist one is sort of coming from a place of fear of like, well, if you don't do this, then what will happen? Or if you do do this, will you be um, considered weird or like a wacko or what have you? Or will people just talk about you behind your back? Um, so I think, I was talking to my own therapist about this and she mentioned like in times of stress, like even though I think I am getting better, she's like, in times of stress, you're still going to maybe turn to that perfectionist voice as your default um, because that's what's what I'm used to. And especially at a time when I'm feeling emotionally vulnerable, that's going to be what surfaces. So I think looking at ourselves as, and like trying to listen to our own thoughts as much as possible, um, is something that is like recommended in therapy. DBT, I think, focuses on this a lot. CBT focuses on this a lot. Just thinking about your thoughts and realizing that your thoughts are not necessarily who you are um, because it can have that lens to it where it's like, this is the perfectionist thoughts. Um, Definitely. And I think that we all have the capacity to change a negative tape in our heads if we want mm -hmm. to. And for our listeners who aren't aware, I am also a big advocate of therapy and CBT and DBT have helped me. That is cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy, mm -hmm. which are all ways of training your mind to see things differently. And I think are very much related to positive psychology. 
because I, uh, our listeners know that I'm a person in long-term recovery from alcoholism. And we say in AA that you can't control the first thought in your head, but you can control the second thought and your actions. And that helps me let myself off the hook a great deal for what I still consider to be negative or ill-serving thoughts that enter my brain when when I'm feeling fearful or anxious or something mm-hmm. is happening outside of my control. Mm-hmm. So I also know that you are a firstborn in your family. Does yes. perfection seem to strike people who are firstborns more than others? And is it more pervasive for people like you who are at the beginning of your careers? Or do you not see much difference or it's not really segregable among age groups as being a sort of pandemic for that age group? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was actually, I was talking to my, one of my interviews in my book does focus on my, on my time at an all girls Catholic school. So I interview one of my English teachers um, and we sort of talk about perfectionism within the school. And she, as another oldest daughter, she did say, I think that oldest daughters, I think they get it worse. I think that there is something that's like maternal, like have to watch out for everyone. You're the mediator between your parents and your siblings. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that my siblings would, would say that, um, my perfectionism is probably above and beyond theirs. But with that being said, I think one of the things that's been really interesting in looking at this research is, um, yes, perfectionism is rising. There was a study um, by Thomas Curran um, and Andrew Hill at the London School of Economics where they looked at um, college-age students in Canada, UK, and Britain and found that based in comparison to a similar study taken in the 80s, perfectionism in the 2017 had risen exponentially um, in college-age students. So there there's that question of like, okay, well, what are the factors that would make it that way? Um, And I would say, I would say that it's very easy, I think, to look at um, an age group, a birth order, um, like even generational gaps and say, oh, well, those are the perfectionists and sort of isolate it off. But I think the more that I'm looking at it and sort of what this, what this study by Thomas Curran said was like, we live in a time that's sort of, um, there's less, less governmental help or subsidies for people who are trying to either get training or find themselves in a job or for people who are finding themselves that they need help from the government, they're getting less, they have to keep working and they can constantly keep working for this belief that they will eventually like bootstraps them way their way up to wherever they want to go. Uh, we have social media, which obviously makes everything very quantitative. Um, I think my generation, like millennials older than me and Gen Z below me, I am sort of right on the cusp. Um, millennials specifically grew up in the advent of social media. So we learned very quickly at a young age to base ourselves on Facebook friends and then Instagram likes and then Twitter retweets. Um, it's very easy to find worth from those things. So there's a lot of different institutional factors that play into us measuring ourselves as like human resumes or like I am a list of what I've accomplished in a qualitative sense or in a quantitative sense. 
Um, but I do think that that applies to our parents as well. I think that applies to our grandparents because, um, again, like the things like the government and social media don't apply strictly to millennials that affects everyone sort of within our culture and then how um, companies then like keep people working, they keep people working all the time. We're all on a 27, 24 seven work cycle, right? Like not you're actually working at your uh, your nine to five job or your shift job for all that time, you do feel like you have to be working outside of that as well. So it's all these things that make us feel like we're more machine than not. Um, yeah. and it's, it's, it's so I, I think it does at the beginning, you were like, I think we, like my generation, my parents' generation had very specific societal norms that we had to be a certain way. And I think undoubtedly that is true. I think there's more, more freedom, social media, like the pro of it is that you can see a lot of different perspectives coming to light. Um, like a lot of different people that you might never have met or just like, if you go through TikTok, you're going to see a variety of human beings, but it is also, it's a, it's a never ending cycle of being like, okay, well, what do I have to do next to hit that same likes or to be as admirable on every moment that you have becomes content. So it's, it's very interesting. It, it hits all of us. It hits all of us differently. Um, but yeah, it's, it's wacky. I agree. I agree. I think it's a fascinating topic, but my signature question is what do you do to become your best version? Mm -hmm. I think I think it has been self-forgiveness, which falls into the umbrella of self-compassion a little bit. And again, I'm, I'm seeing this as someone that I still recognize that I'm very perfectionist and that can really come into anything like, oh my gosh, I haven't been texting my friends enough during a pandemic. Like, what if like they think I hate them or something? Like, I, it's easy to get paranoid in your relationships. It's easy to stress about making a mistake in work. But I think for me, what has really been a game changer has been just thinking about um, like in this moment, like my friends still love me, you know, like if I don't text them, like my friends still love me. Um, I am, I still have a lot of good things going for me if I make a mistake at work. Like if I make one mistake, it doesn't mean that therefore the chain effect is that my bosses hate me and that I'm about to get fired because they think that my work stinks and I'm a miserable employee. Um, sometimes it's just not that deep. Um, so I think it helps to sort of center myself and say like, in terms of like what I have right now, I'm very fortunate. And I have a lot of good people around me. I have money to pay the bills and I keeping those expectations in line where it's like, but I also have to do things for me. So if, what is that line between, um, between giving to other people and giving to myself, but also not beating myself up for not giving to myself or, or trying too hard on this book, right? Like I can go in so many different directions. So I think it's just trying to be aware of like at the end of the day, okay, like you made it through the day. This was a good day. Like we had a lot of good things that happened and 
there's a lot of good people around you to that like will love you as you are. So I think that helps. It really does. Beautiful. I think that uh, exhibits a lot of gratitude and self-forgiveness, which Mm -hmm. I think are paramount in leading a healthy life. So I want to thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. How can people learn more about your book and your work? Absolutely. So Perf comes out in August. I think August 30th is the day that it is officially. I know, which is insane. Um, So in between that official launch and now, you can follow me on my writing Instagram, which is at IsChloeAWriter, which is imposter syndrome as it gets. Um, And I'm also doing a weekly newsletter on Substack, which is at IsChloeAWriter.substack.com, if I I'm saying that correctly. I don't think there's an at sign at the beginning. I don't know why I said that, but it will be in the show notes. So no worries. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So look at the show notes. Um, but yeah, that's the best place to keep in touch with me as this book comes out. Wonderful. I am thrilled to have a young generation person on the show. You are the first. Awesome. And um, you are a great and shining beacon for especially the young generation on how to get a handle on the demons that plague us all. So thank you again. And we will be back next week with more tips and insights on becoming your best version.